therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Chapter 3, verse 1, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet upon Shigianath. I'll get it out in a minute. Shigianath. Well, there's your mouthful. How would you like to name your child Shigianath? O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath, remember mercy. Verse 17, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds' feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine high places. Amen. And today's lesson is entitled, Rejoicing in Difficult Times. You may be seated. Rejoicing in difficult times. We live in very difficult times. I was reading about uh, our county and uh, the COVID cases that uh, our county is dealing with. And at this point, as of last night, the new cases are seven new cases a day. And that's just in our county. Uh, our county alone. So we're living in very perilous times. People are dying uh, left and right. Uh, a friend of ours, uh, pastors in Moss Hill, Brother Mike Mahaney, I've known him all my life. His brother-in-law, who I happen to know well, at 45 years old, uh, died of COVID this past week. Uh, he was a pharmacist himself, and I think that he was vaccinated, but he died of a heart attack due to COVID-related symptoms. Uh, we're living in perilous times, times where people are, are um, dying and having great, great situations come upon them. But I'm glad to know that the Lord is still in charge. He's still in control. He still rules and he still reigns. Amen. Praise God. And we're going to talk about rejoicing in difficult times. Amen. It's hard to rejoice when things ain't going too good. Amen. I said it's hard to rejoice when things aren't going good. You know, anybody can rejoice when everything's looking good. Uh, you know, when the blessings are flowing and you're getting along with everybody, there's no problems in the family, the car's running fine, the job's got a raise. Come on now. Everything's looking good. No problems to be had. You can rejoice. That's, oh, that's easy. Anybody can rejoice at those circumstances. Uh, but when you got five flats, it means even the spare is flat. The dog has bit you. Children don't want to talk to you. Come on, somebody. Uh, it's hard to rejoice. But yet, it tells us in Scripture, rejoice in the Lord. How often? 
always. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he goes, and again, I say rejoice. He wanted to drive it home. It's uh, not just a matter of talking about how good the Lord is, but rejoice in the Lord always. At any given point, rejoice in the Lord. He's always in control. He's always good. He always knows what he's doing. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Say, Lord, Lord, I... It took everything in my power to rejoice in the Lord. Well, again, I say unto you, rejoice. Do it again. Praise God. In 1994, the Dr. James Dobson set out to answer one of life's most unanswerable questions, the question of human suffering. Why do bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people? He called on his years of counseling experience to help shape the principles and precept in his book. Although it's an excellent resource to shed light on darkness, sometimes human suffering still exceeds comprehension. I don't know why that, that the Lord allows certain things. I, I, you know, I don't have those answers. And, and uh, the older I get, the less answers that I have. But I, I learn to trust in the Lord. Sister Misty sings a song learning how to lean and depend on the Lord. You just got to learn how to lean on him. Amen. Because you just don't know. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense. And, you know, God rarely makes sense. Praise God. If you run across something and you say, man, that just don't make any sense, well, then that means God's fingerprints are already on it. He's, he's up to something. Amen. When you're down to nothing, God's up to something. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Before Dobson wrote, Habakkuk wrote. Habakkuk wrote a short three-chapter book that bears his name. His book could have also been called When God Doesn't Make Sense. He opened up asking God why he was silent when Habakkuk cried for help. You ever been there? You go to praying for help and God just gets, he gets the lockjaw. You go to praying and heaven is brass. You go to calling on God and, and the tears flow and nothing happens. Maybe you've never been there before. Seems like I stay there a lot. He was silent. God's quiet. That's to be the hardest part of your walk with God is when God is quiet. And God is quiet with purpose. Generally speaking, when God gets quiet, he teaches you more than when he's speaking. So what is he teaching me when he's quiet? He's teaching me to trust him. He's teaching me to endure. He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. Now, if you're going to, if you're going to be saved, you've got to learn to endure some things. Endure implies that it's not always pleasant. Amen. Now, the good times, you don't have to worry about enduring that. You enjoy that. But the hard times is the ones that you just put up with. Say, so, well, it's not exactly what I wanted. But you know, God's still in control. I'm going to hold to his unchanging hand. 
I don't know when it'll change, but eventually something will change. God will lead me out of it. He led me in for a while, and he'll lead me back out of it. You know, that's the thing about life. It will change. Having a great time? Enjoy it. It'll change. Having a bad time? Endure it. It will change. You got good health? Hang on. It just might change on you. Oh, come on, somebody. But God, he never changes, but he allows change in our life for purpose. <clears throat> Why did God seem to turn a blind eye to blind injustice in his day? Habakkuk begins his book full of questions, but it ended full of faith. Although precious little changed from chapter 1 until chapter 3, Habakkuk shifted his gaze from staring at suffering to staring at the faithfulness of God. When he did, he began to understand that he did not have to understand God to trust him. If you're waiting to understand things before you can trust God, you, you, you're going down the wrong road. Because there's very little about this you're going to understand. But you can trust the Lord. That's the joys of trust. Trust does not require understanding. Aren't you glad? I mean, otherwise, uh, we'd be really in a, in a spot trying to say, well, let's see here if I can get this all figured out. I, you know, if I can just line it up how God's going to do this and why he's doing that and, and I can work all this into some kind of equation. You can fill the blackboard up with equation and still not have the answer. Praise God. But you don't have to understand God to trust Him. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Come on now, hold to God's unchanging hand. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Hallelujah. Thank God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. During the 1800s, French General Messina, who served under Napoleon, arrived at a quaint yet strategic Austrian town. He had 18,000 soldiers under his command. They busily began preparations to invade the town and take control of it. The stunned Austrian citizens were terrified by the approaching army. They realized that they were about to be beaten, killed, and sold into slavery. With no options for outside assistance, they laid down plans for their counterattack. What would they do? Since it was Easter Sunday and their upcoming deaths were seemingly imminent, no matter what they did, they went to church. 
In their minds, their only defense was to hope for direct intervention from God. So they rang the church bells, put on their Sunday best, and worshipped the Lord. When the services ended, the Australian, Austrian believers opened the church doors to find out that the entire French battalion had left. It turned out that General Messina incorrectly confused the ringing of the church bells for Easter service with what he thought was the announcement of the arrival of the entire Austrian army. The city was saved because they decided to rejoice in difficult times. Oh, sometimes you just got to ring the bell. So how do I ring the bell? Worship God. Say, God, I'm going to worship you no matter what. I'm going to go ahead and rejoice in you. Even though it looks terrible and there doesn't seem to be any way around it, I'm still going to worship you, Lord. You know the best way to blow the devil's mind is to magnify God in the heat of the battle. When you're going through your hardest times, say, God, it doesn't make sense, but you know what? I'm still going to magnify your name. I'm still going to praise your name. You're still righteous. You're still holy. I'm going to do everything in my power to magnify your name. Devil don't know how to deal with that. So how do you know he doesn't know? Because you know what the devil did is when things didn't go exactly like he wanted them to, he rose up against the Lord and was cast out of heaven over it. So, you know, a lot of times we, we look at it so backwards. God, if you'll just do so many good things, you know, I'll feel better. No, sometimes you're going to feel better when you just look on the trustworthiness of the Lord and begin to talk about the goodness that he has done and all that he shall do, and don't complain about what you're going through right now. Now, I know there's no complainers here. Mm, boy, holy hush come over the congregation. Ain't nobody around here doing any complaining. Certainly not. Well, I better get my hand down, praise the Lord. But you know... When you complain, what you're doing is you're bringing grief to your spirit. And don't you ever forget it that the devil knows it. You know, the devil, a lot of times, he'll just stir up our spirit and then stand back and watch us do the rest. A lot of times he doesn't have to go all the way in torment and bring us to all these frustrating points. All he's got to do is just stir our spirit up a little bit. And then if we're not careful because we're not, we're not close enough to the Lord, that we start complaining. And the devil say, well, that's all I got to do with them. I'll go worry about somebody else now. Because while you're complaining, you're stirring up your own spirit. You're bringing trouble to your own spirit. And then you've got to pray that down. Before you can see beyond that. A lot of times we spend all of our time trying to pray down the things that we created. Praise God. Maybe y'all are ahead of me on this, but that, I'm, maybe I'm just preaching to myself. A lot of times the complaining that I have done, then I have to pray, oh God, help me because now I'm struggling with fear, doubt, and unbelief. Well, God didn't bring the fear, doubt, and unbelief. And I'll take it even a step further. The devil didn't directly bring it to you. 
All he did was stir your spirit up. You brought the fear, doubt, and unbelief to you. Praise God. In most things give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In the good things give thanks. For the, Is that the way that reads? Come on, somebody. Huh? In just the good things. In the blessings give thanks. Is that the way that reads? Well, y'all are stubborn. In everything give thanks. Does anybody know what the word everything means? Y'all went to school, right? Y'all did go to school. Everything means all. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Everything you give thanks for. You give him thanks for the blessings. Oh, that's the easy part. But how about thanking him for the bad? Oh, that goes against the grain. Hey, I want to tell you something. It'll change your attitude. It'll change your spirit. And you'll be able to receive more from God than you've ever received before. When you thank God for the bad, thank God for the ugly, give him praise in the midst of it all. And this is what Habakkuk learned to do. The first words we read by the prophet Habakkuk are the cries of anguish. O Lord, how long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear? Now I know y'all have never been through anything like that before. Lord, how long am I going to have to pray you not hear me? Now Habakkuk was operating under the false assumption that just because God didn't answer him immediately that he didn't hear. That's not true. When God doesn't say anything, he's wanting you to wait. The time is not right. You know, a lot of times we want the right thing at the wrong time. Now, let's face it, folks. If all we ever received after serving God was good, Chances are it wouldn't take us long that we would become very, very self-centered. Because there are times that, you know, the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. And it, it causes, it tempers us. The bad will temper us. It can actually work for your good. If all you ever get is good all the time, before long you become selfish, you become lazy. You ever run across somebody that was raised in an extremely wealthy home? I used to work for a few. Not all of them are in the same bucket, but there was one boy. I tell you what, I've talked about him before. He was boy. He was something else. Uh, he was. An, he inherited a very vast empire, uh, a retail empire, and this man. You couldn't trust him as far as you could throw him. He was a very self-centered man. And nobody wanted to be around him. 
Nobody wanted to fool with him. Nobody wanted to talk to him. They couldn't trust him. They didn't like him because of his attitude. And it all, it all went back to the fact that he always got everything he wanted. And it ruined his spirit and his attitude and his personality. And the same can happen to us in the kingdom of God. If God gave you everything you wanted, you'd be in a mess before long. If all you ever received of the Lord was good, there would be times that you would get to a point you'd become selfish and lazy and self-serving. But there are times that God steps back and says, okay, now there's going to be a little difficult times and you're going to have to trust me with this. And if you can't trust me, that means you can't grow. If you can't trust God, then you can't grow. That's the only way you're going to grow in God is to learn how to trust Him. Because what happens is while you're trusting Him, then God is putting something into your spirit. You know, it's easy to look at the blessings and say, Oh God, you've answered my prayer. You've done everything that I've asked you for. But what you don't realize is, is that He answered. You started answering your prayer back when it turned dark, back when it turned black, back when it turned bad for you. God was answering prayer. How can God answer prayer through the blackness? He'll answer the prayer by teaching you to trust him, teaching you to grow in him and to mature and to gain strength. That's the only way you'll mature and gain strength is in the dark times. I'm not going to get my spiritual maturity by getting my blessings all the time. I don't learn a lot from blessings. Why? Because blessings appeal to the flesh. Oh, I enjoy the blessings. <laughs> oh, bring it on, God, and pile it on. I'm not saying it's wrong to get blessings. But I am saying we don't need to focus on the blessings alone. And when the bad times come, we say, okay, God, you're allowing bad times for a purpose, uh, and I'm still going to trust you because I want to grow and mature in you. And I want to take this as a learning process to cause me to be able to be strengthened and to mature in God. Praise the Lord. Now it's all extra. That's not even in the lesson. Let's get back to the lesson. Praise God. In times of overwhelming circumstances and discouragement, people wonder if God even hears our prayers. They're left to question how long they will have to cry out to the Lord before He will respond. When Israel was in Egypt, after Joseph's time period, and they were suffering under the hand of the Egyptians, they began to cry out to God. God didn't immediately answer them. Why didn't he immediately answer them? Because the man that he was sending was not ready. And so while he's being prepared at the burning bush and all these other things that are going on in the background, back over in Egypt, it's every day again, the whip on my back. And I'm still calling out to God, and God ain't answering me. Well, God is answering, but he has to get things in line. He has to get things. And you know, a lot of times, the answer in which God answers us is not the one we expected. 
Now, God, I'll do A and B, and I'm needing you to do C. God says, you do A and B, and I'll come up with G or F. And you're going to have to trust me in the meantime that I know what I'm doing. And the answer may surprise you totally, and you think, well, I never thought to pray for that. Well, praise God, hallelujah, amen. In our text, the prophet's cry is born out of understanding the times in which he lived. Judah was in total rebellion against God. They had forsaken his word and had turned to idolatry. The faithful few who remained were being persecuted and oppressed. Leadership was taking advantage of the people. Instead of protecting them, they were actually abusing them. To understand the times. To understand the times. You know, the Bible says in the last days that people are going to be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. You want to see where everybody's at? They're probably in front of a TV out here somewhere. Or they're out fumbling around in their yard. Or if it's hunting season, they got a gun in their hand. Or if it's in a certain time period, you got to drive to Galveston to find some of them. What are they doing? Lovers of pleasure. Not all pleasure is sinful. But when it gets in front of God, it's lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. It becomes a sin in itself. We got to understand our times. We got to understand that, that we're living in the perilous times. Now, that doesn't mean that we just give up and throw our hands in and say, well, they're going to love pleasure more than God. No, there's still some out there that are hungry for God. And you've got to ask God to move upon them and ask God to give you the words to say when you come across them. Amen. You know, there's going to come a time, the Scripture says, they're not going to endure sound doctrine. What does that mean? That means they ain't going to listen. That means that there's going to be a certain amount of people that you come across that will not receive the truth. You didn't turn me off, did you, Brother Adam? They're not going to receive the truth. But that doesn't excuse you. Well, they didn't receive the truth, so I guess nobody wants to receive the truth. No, don't receive that lie. They are hungry and thirsty. You ask God to put them in your path. And God will do that. Amen. 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 I'm starting to work on my neighbors. Y'all met them if you come over there Sunday. Uh, I'm starting to work on them. Got to be careful. Got to be slow. Got to be wise. But I'm working on them. After all, they come out to B-Lot all the time. Ain't like they don't know the way out here. So, you know, I'm doing my part. I'm, do- I'm working. I'm working on them. Praise the Lord. But yet Habakkuk had to learn the times. He had to know what was going on to understand what God was actually trying to do. 21 years earlier, King Josiah had restored the word of the Lord to the people. By this time, the land should have been filled with people obeying the word and reaping the blessing that came with that obedience. Don't you think? Woulda, coulda, shoulda. 
But when Habakkuk saw just how far the people had drifted from the living by the word, he was greatly troubled and called out to God to deliver them. But God had different plans. It would be by the hand of the treacherous Chaldeans. Brother, my voice is about shot. You're going to have to give me a little more. I, I, you probably gave me Max already. But just give me a little more mantra up here. <clears throat> Let me try that water. God bless Brother Justin. He brought a cup of cold water in the name of the Lord. Praise God. I, had, I told him, I said, um, what's your name again? Um, uh, of course, I already tormented his sons already this morning. Good to have him back from vacation. <clears throat> Habakkuk had to realize that the judgment of God was not without a purpose. His in, intent in allowing that circumstance to come to his people was one of correction. It was not his intent to annihilate them or to cause them to suffer needlessly. Here's what Jeremiah 46, 28 says, Fear thou not, O Jacob, of my servant, saith the Lord, for I am with thee, for I will make a full end of all nations whither I have driven thee, but I will not <clears throat> make a full end of thee, but correct thee in measure. Yet will I not leave thee wholly unpunished. Now let's break that down. What he's saying is, I'm not going to just stand by and not punish you for what you deserve. You've walked away from the word. You're not living according to the word. And you're going after idolatry. Uh, the word calls for punishment. Uh, you know, you do still reap what you sow. A lot of times we'll sow all kind of ignorant stuff and then complain when it happens that we've reaped it. A lot of times it's, it's you know, it's just because we have done stupid stuff and now we get to, we get to uh, pay for the, the crop that, that we that sowed for. Praise God. <clears throat> I see I'm losing you this morning. <clears throat> Hebrews 12, 11 states, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. <laughs> oh, when Dad would pull off that black beauty, you know, that, that, that slender piece of leather that went through the belt loops, that's black beauty. And when he'd pull black beauty loose, his Katie bar the door. And, you know, suddenly I was very sorry. Oh, you just don't know how sorry I was. I mean, I, there was not enough sorrow in the house. I, I just, I sorrowed all over the place. It didn't help. Because judgment had come. And uh, generally he'd spank until he got tired. And if I did any hollering, he'd spank that much more. Well, of course it hurt. Um, you know, in Proverbs, it tells you, beat thy child with rods, and you'll deliver thy child's soul from hell. 
Spare the rod you hate your child. That's what it says. It doesn't say spoil the child. Spare the rod you hate your child. If you don't correct your children, then what you're doing is you're building something in them that they can learn, that they can get away with just about everything they want to. And once they get on their own, then it's going to be even more so pronounced. Well, that didn't cost any extra, praise the Lord, amen. He said, but no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Now, when God, when, when Richard Moats Sr. got done with Richard Moats Jr., this is what you would hear. <laughs> but I guarantee you there wasn't no cocky words that come out of his mouth. I knew better. I didn't want another. You don't have to whip me but one time. I'm on it. I'm on, I got it. I got it all planned out. <clears throat> and so, same is with the Lord. When we get out of line, God says, all right, I'm going to have to correct my child. And he steps back and he lets the enemy come in and bring something that's difficult. Not every time is difficult things because you've done something wrong. Don't get me wrong. But there are times that God will allow that to occur simply because we've not pleased God. And he'll step back and, and allow things to correct us. And once we're finished with that correction, our spirits are changed. I've had God correct me and boy, boy, he'd whip me all over the place. I've had corrections the last two or three years. But when I got done, I learned how to trust God and to respect Him. In that area, I didn't have to worry about it anymore. I remember a time when I was first married, and I, <clears throat> I had trouble really trusting God for just about anything. And one of the things, one of my pet peeves was my car breaking down. Always had this fear of a car would break down. And so I'd get all flustered about it when the car would do something stupid. And when you're buying cars, you know, that over 100,000 miles back in the 80s and 90s, uh, they was about on their last leg. Today they last a lot longer. Uh, but back Back in, back in those days, you know, you got 100,000 miles out of a car. Thank God. Praise the Lord. You've been blessed today. And 150,000, what in the world are you doing to that car? Well, I'd get, I'd get frustrated, you know, and, and if something would go wrong, and I'd get all flustered, and there'd go my faith. And Finally, God just, he said, okay, it's time for you to learn a few things. So I went through a series of financial hardships that I had to trust God. 
then he put me on the evangelistic field. And I did not want to go because I had been on the evangelistic field as a child and I knew what to expect. It wasn't like I went in with my eyes closed. I went in with them wide open, know what to expect. And I thought, oh God, I don't know about this, Lord. And I had to trust God. Once I got through that, you ain't got to worry about me being frustrated, trusting God about that stuff anymore. I've learned that was a chastisement for the president. It was not, it was not joyous. It was grievous. But it was a chastisement that God had to teach me so that I would grow in him. Now, there are times that difficult times come. They may not be a chastisement per se, but nonetheless, God allows them because there's something in your spirit that needs to learn something. And when you learn that situation, then God will give you relief in one form or another. He'll either remove the problem or he'll change you. I heard it said by Brother... Um, that was my former superintendent, Brother G.R. Travis. He's gone on to his reward. He made the statement one time. He says, sometimes God calms the storm. Other times, he calms his child. God may seek, stand up in your boat and say, peace, be still. And the winds and the waves obey. And the trouble goes away. Or he may say, where is your faith? Where is your faith? He may calm his child. However he does it, he's still in control. We follow after him. Once Habakkuk understood what the Lord was doing, he was left with a choice. He could surrender in them to the mindset that says there is no hope. Or he could begin to pray for revival and mercy. What a choice. We have the same choice when adverse circumstances come our way. We can choose to continue to complain and grumble to the Lord over things being the way they are. Or we can come to the realization that God desires us to pray and seek his face for good to come of the situation. If we spent half as much energy, if we spent half as much energy on prayer as we did on griping and complaining and moaning and groaning, what we couldn't do for the kingdom of God. Hey, they rejoiced when they were suffering for the name of the Lord. We complain when it don't turn out our way. Who are you serving anyway? Is it your own fleshly desires or is it the desire of the Lord? Well, I don't know the desire of the Lord. Wait on the Lord. He'll let you know. Praise God. The prophet was incredibly transparent with God when he said, Oh Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. 
God, I heard what you planned to do. And I, I thought, oh my goodness. He was admitting that not only was there a fear of the Chaldeans attacking them, but there was also a fear that came from knowing that God was directing them. You know, it's something about us human beings that we want to kind of feel like we got our hand on the reins. What will we do tomorrow? Well, I'm going to do this. Well, the scriptures bears out you better be careful about that kind of mindset. You need to say, if the Lord wills, we will do thus and such. It reminds me, and I've told this before, <clears throat> of the story of uh, a minister that he says, you know, I'm gonna, I asked the Lord for everything, what I'm supposed to do. He, he asked the Lord where they should go to lunch. When's the last time you asked the Lord where you're going to go for lunch? How about the major decisions that you make? Do you take that to the Lord or do you just say, well, I got this? What about the minor decisions? Oh, my God. And every step that we make. You know, sometimes we can make one mistake that puts everything out of line. They say that when they were shooting for the moon for the very first time in 60, whatever that was, I know they went on the moon at 69, but they went around the moon before that. <clears throat> but when they were shooting for the moon for the first time, first of all, they had the uh, computer equivalency of the modern-day microwave. That's all they had. Wow. And so they're sending this several ton vehicle uh, by rocket propulsion out past the earth atmosphere and it's aimed toward a glassy planet. It's made of reflective rock. And it's heading toward this big planet out there. And they said if they'd been off just less than a quarter of an inch, they'd have missed the moon by a mile. Just a little off. We say, oh God, I want to be in your will. If you want to be in God's will, then everything you do needs to be funneled through his will. And don't assume that you know everything. Don't assume that you know the next step to take. Brother Archer has gone on to his reward, used to sing a song, so tell me where to put my foot down next. I can't go on any farther until you tell me where to step. Oh, God, tell me where to go next. Habakkuk's prayer resounded through the heavens when he mentioned, petitioned God, O oh Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years make known in wrath, Remember mercy. What a prayer request to bring before the Lord. He was basically telling the Lord that they deserved the adversity that was coming their way. 
He went on to simply appeal to the motivating love of God to be merciful during the time of his judgment. Folks, we live in a nation that has sinned against God in many respects. They're killing babies by the millions. They're killing babies by the millions. Perverted lifestyles, they go directly diabolically against the word of God. Now is being blessed and sanctioned and we're all expected and commanded by at least by government that we pretend with them that they are what they are. To go against even nature to pretend with them as to what they are. Oh, God's not going to turn his head to that kind of sin. He will judge America sooner or later. And you just might be alive when God starts judging. And then find yourself right at the place of Habakkuk. And I believe that we're on the onset of that judgment of God. I do. I believe that. We're seeing things happen. Things are being set up. But I also believe that God will send judgment. But in the midst of the things and the perilous times in which we're living in, we can be like a backache saying, Oh God, in the midst of these years, remember in judgment, remember mercy. Be merciful, oh God. Yes, our nation deserves everything that you throw at it, but be merciful. Be merciful. When's the last time you prayed for mercy for your nation? Mercy. Mercy. During times of adversity and correction, our faith can be put to the test. The stress of such situations can cause us to lose our focus on the fact that God is in control, even when life is out of control. In those times, it is good to remember Isaiah 41.10 tells us, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. This is a promise that God has given us. During times of difficulty and suffering, two of the most difficult things to do is to not grow impatient or to lose our faith. We must understand that the situation is working for our good. Somebody said, I'm a very impatient person. Can I be kind and tell you a real truth that applies to us all, including yours truly? If we're impatient, we're, in, we're undisciplined. You want to see life in the raw? have kids and all the parents said amen have children if you want to know just what you were like have a kid we tend to gloss it over oh I was the model child yeah right sure you were 
Oh, my goodness. And they start doing stuff, and you think, I can't believe that I did stuff like that. But one thing you'll observe about children is they're impatient. Now, if you behave yourself, we're going to go down here and get some ice cream. They didn't hear the behave part. What part did they hear? All they heard was the ice cream part. And so their mind does not focus on this over here. It focuses on this over here. And it don't take long. They're back to fighting and carrying on and acting a fool. Acting like you did when you was their age. And suddenly ice cream's off the table. Then you have pity for them. And it's back on the table again. Now come on, somebody. I ain't the only one that's done this kind of stuff. Yeah. The bottom line is, is they're impatient because they're children. They're not disciplined. Over a period of time as they get older, hopefully, usually it happens sometime after marriage. Although I've seen rare instances where it's before. Usually it's after. I guess the wife has to kind of straighten the husband out, you know. Train him like, you know, she needs him to train him. I heard a word out, Brother Justin. He got awful quiet, awful quiet. <laughs> but uh, honestly, until there is a, there is a maturity, <clears throat> excuse me, there will be no discipline. And if there's no discipline, then there's no patience. So if we have trouble with patience, we need to go back and look at ourselves all over again and say, wait a minute. There's something I did not mature in. Folks, if you hear what I have to say, I didn't plan to say this. The Lord gave this to me. If you look at it from that perspective, there's something I missed. God help me to mature. And buddy, he'll load your wagon. That's like asking God for patience. Same thing. God, I want patience and give it to me now, God. Let's get through this lesson, praise the Lord. I get Romans 8, 28 tells us, and we know that all things, just the good things, the pleasant things, the blessings, huh? Is that the way that reads, Brother Justin? What? Now, earlier it says, in everything, give thanks. Now it's saying, in all things. In all, all. Everybody say all. All things work together for our good to them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. What's purpose got to do with it? Purpose has everything to do with it. His purpose is what drives the all. And we have to look at it from that perspective. God, it ain't just the good. It's the bad, too. We take it as a package and say, God, we'll trust you with the bad and rejoice with the good. But my trust in you is going to remain the same. 
If I can't trust God, if my faith is like the wave of the sea, like what James said, what did he say about that? Let not that man think he will receive anything of the Lord. If your face up here one time and it's down here the next and it's constantly up and down, what's going on here? You're having trouble trusting God. You're having trouble having patience. Maybe there's some maturity that needs to be brought into your spirit. As long as it's doing this business all the time, what did James say again? Don't let anybody think that you'll receive anything of the Lord. Ain't going to happen. As we faithfully serve him and rejoice in difficult times, he will strengthen us and increase our faith. Even in those difficult times, we create like Judah did during the time of Habakkuk, God can still work those times for our good, but we must do as Habakkuk pledged to do in Habakkuk 3.18. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Sounds good on a Sunday morning, Sister Gabby. I'm going to rejoice when it's bad. Sounds good. Don't that sound good at church, man? Makes you look spiritual. Woo. Give you goose pimples when you say it. But how about Monday morning? You ain't got Pastor Moats and the rest of the congregation to egg you on. It's just you and Jesus now. Can you still say it then? Praise the Lord. Stand with us. God bless you. In the name of the Lord.